This is Effective Teaching with Dan Jackson from TeachersPD.net, giving you effective teaching and learning strategies for your classroom. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Effective Teaching Podcast. Today, I am talking to Camilla Okapinti. Uh, she's been a teacher for 19 years and has spent at least eight of those years as a pedagogy coach. Last year, Camilla, you decided to leave the classroom to start up a business that you call the Literacy Collective. Can you tell us why you decided to do that? Because it's a big jump. Absolutely. Hi, Daniel. Now, being in the education department for almost 20 years now, I have a real passion for early years education. I have been a classroom teacher, a pedagogy coach, curriculum leader, deputy, recently a head of primary, but my passion is in early years education. So, in my journey, I never really found the right fit for my classroom in early years education. Usually, it was a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. So, I would have one phonics program going and then I'd have to supplement that with a writing program and a spelling program. Then on top of that, I would pull in some reading comprehension and some individual and explicit vocab lessons. And it was really a battle to find the right fit. And my dream as an educator is to have everything integrated and and talk to each other in the program sense. So it was time for me to do the big worldwide search for the right program. And to my surprise, I didn't find the perfect fit. And that's where the dream started. I needed an integrated approach that was based on scientific and proven methods of teaching reading. However, there's been a lot of theories that have been debunked too. In my journey, I've been reading all the research articles, the the scientific Uh, neuroscience around how kids learn to read and that's where the Literacy Collective was really born. We wanted to develop a philosophy where we're going to bridge the gap between evidence-based research and a quality teaching program. That sounds great. It's very similar to the reason why I started this podcast and why I started my whole website at teacherspd.net in that sense of making sure that everything is actually based on research and not just what I, I feel like is working for me in the classroom, which, you know, there's so many recent fads that go through education these days. It's good to actually have something that's based on research that then is, you know, it's going to be sustained for a longer period of time. So, when it comes to you know, this podcast and we're talking about lifelong learning and how we can help our students and it's fairly obvious that developing literacy is probably the most important skill when it comes to developing lifelong learners. But can you just talk to us about uh, what strategy do you see as most important for students in the early years as they develop their literacy? Absolutely. And the two key components that I'm going to mention are actually probably the most missed in education itself, which is really surprising. I've been a literacy coach and been in and out of many schools. And often when we look in the early years classrooms, we see phonics lessons, which are great and it's part of the reading process. But the two key components, those foundational skills that are so crucial to the the success of a reader Uh, oral language and phonological and phonemic awareness. And I think we just presume that kids come to school with good oral language and good phonological and phonemic awareness. And I'll explain what those two are in a moment, but let's uh, have a look at oral language. 
I often use these teacher terms called receptive and expressive language. And just in general terms, that means to be able to understand a question and respond appropriately. And the decline in oral language is significant with the introduction of digital technology because we tend not to talk to our kids. And you know what, I do it with my kids, even myself, and my kids are a little bit older now. But We see two, three, four-year-olds in front of iPads and gone are the days where we ask a million questions and they ask us a million questions and as a parent, all those questions that are, why is this mummy and why is this daddy? And the importance of talk is just so crucial in the process and unfortunately, kids are coming to our schools with poor and low uh, receptive and expressive language and that is the foundational skill of reading because if we don't understand a sentence in its uh, full sense, then we're not going to be able to respond and comprehend appropriately. So oral language being the, the appropriate foundational step as well as the most crucial. The next one is phonological awareness. That's the big banner. And then within that is phonemic awareness. So phonological awareness are all those skills like rhyme and alliteration and breaking words into parts. And then phonemic awareness, this is the key to a good reader, and that is being able to manipulate and blend and segment sounds in words. So it goes from a sound to print, whereas when we look at phonics, we actually are just looking at a print-to-sound model. We hold up the letter A and we say, say the letter A says app. Well, actually, the letter A has eight different sounds, like in the word was and zebra and age and water. The letter A actually doesn't just say at. And that's where we're we're really coming undone in the reading process when we just step straight into phonics. That's good. I like how you've explained that because it does make perfect sense to me. I've got a six, seven-year-old, nearly seven at home, and I've been trying to get him going with his reading and writing and stuff. And yeah, I loved like when I listened to your mastermind that you did recently and you talked about the importance of these things. I loved it. I loved the fact that it was, it just made so much sense really, just as an English speaker, that it goes from your speech and your sound and your oral communication into the writing, not the other way around. I think anyone who grows up with English can very much appreciate that I think because I remember being taught the sound of the letters are going from written to to speech and yeah then you've got all your rules of how why, why everything changes the way that it sounds based on where different letters are placed and then those rules break anyway and don't make sense so um, absolutely we actually call that linguistic phonics a lot of schools don't start at that linguistic level and do just sounds then to print and so what happens in a print to sound model is that you're looking at alphabet letters which are only 26 letters in the alphabet but we know that there's actually 44 English speech sounds so you're actually only giving children almost half of what they actually need to read. So our philosophy is a sound to print and that we give all 44 speech sounds at the start because we know students can produce those speech sounds. So we go from known uh, to unknown, which is those symbols or those phonics. So that's really important that we have uh, that model in it. So then can you go back then to, you you said the oral language is the most Mm -hmm. important one. Why is that so important going forward? And why is phonological awareness and then phonemic awareness 
such such a key thing for our students as they then develop into lifelong learners in the long run. What happens in a model that doesn't base itself on those two crucial foundational skills of oral language and phonemic awareness is that we start developing learners that are look at uh, patterns in text and they start guessing words based on the picture and that's fine for early years in, in your kindy, year one, year two, but then we get what happens, it's called the year three slide <laughs> and I see kids everywhere and we always blame our year three teachers, poor teachers, but what happens is that in our early years we tend to focus on whole word like sight words um, and known as a whole or you just have to know those words because they're irregular spellings, but that's actually an incorrect method of teaching because what happens you may get a little bit of success in those early years by year three all those things that they've learnt by using context clues using picture clues using whole word knowledge actually changes in the text they read so gone are the pictures because we've got chapter books the vocab is increasing so there's no context clues and they haven't got that phonics element because they haven't been explicitly taught because they've being taught as whole words and you get the year three slide which means that when like in Australia we have NAPLAN but any of your national testing even over America they've found this has been a huge problem for them as well you have children plateau or even decline or even worse they start to hate reading because it becomes too complex and we actually have to look at our early years programs not what the year three teachers are doing and that's where that oral language and phonemic awareness comes in because if we just start at phonics and then we just go to that whole word stuff and those sight words get introduced really quickly and early we're actually doing our children a disservice and there's a great study that's been put out and it just it really puts the focus it's called speech to print by Louisa Motes and it really just shows you that that phonemic awareness is actually a uh, tool to identify their success in later years so if they get it right in early years they're going to have the next 12 years of success yeah yeah that's great and I can see there too like you said there as kids start to hate reading in year three and I I remember I had a big fallout with my reading just in general I don't know if that was just because I love doing sports so much and I preferred to be outside running around but I know that for most of my high school years I didn't read a book like I, I know that because every every English class where I was given something to read I just did, I never would I never read it and it wasn't until year 12 when I had to read uh, Hamlet and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern type texts that I actually started to read texts and mostly just because I wanted to pass my HSC exams but then that led me into that enjoying my reading and I particularly now I just I love reading but I don't, I don't like reading novels I like reading non-fiction I love particularly learning from the what I'm doing with my reading rather than doing it more for entertainment which is the way I generally see novels I know it's not all novels are or your English teachers out there listening I know that's not the case my sister is an English teacher and she harasses me about it all the time <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I, I've, I've since fallen back in love with reading but I can see if students are falling out of love with reading at the year three level that's going to have a huge impact then as they go forward if they were identifying themselves as people who were successful learners beforehand you know that kind of struggle with reading that impacts all of your learning going forward really i can see that's going to have a big impact for them for becoming lifelong learners later on and you were lucky you had an interest that drew you back to reading if we lose them at year three and there's no interest level to 
see themselves as feeders, then we really lose that. Um, I would say it's probably around 20% of students that really struggle at that year three level because of the methodologies that we use in our early years. A lot of students will learn to read no matter what methods you use. You know, your average to high students will still gain, but we're really disadvantaging that that bottom 20% that need explicit systematic instruction. And we often hear the word synthetic phonics. And what that actually means is the explicit, it doesn't mean fake, it actually means part to whole. We're putting two parts together to to make a whole that synthetic learning and children of the bottom 20% actually need to see the parts to whole not just whole straight away and I'm generalizing here but boys they're, they're little builders they like to see the parts of something and then put it together to make a whole and we actually find that boys drop down in those early years quite often because of the methodologies that we use, that whole word, use picture clues, that guess. We call that the three queuing system. And unfortunately, myself included, for almost 10 years of my teaching career, I used those methodologies because that's what they taught us at university. And yet, sure enough, I was reaching 60 to 80% of students and they were achieving and I just... I guess shift the blame to oh there's a learning disability there's you know no parent interaction we sometimes blame the parents the te- the other teachers the learning support but unfortunately we really actually have to look and reflect on our methods of teaching definitely now for our listeners who are wanting to do something in their classroom to really help their students with this what strategies can you give them that they can go in either you know, doing it today or getting ready for next week, whatever it is, something nice and simple that they can put into effect to help our students to develop their oral language or to help them to develop their phonological or phonetic awareness? Okay, I've got an acronym because, you know, in education, everything has an acronym. <laughs> I've got the acronym SMILES because if you use these methods it really will put the smiles back in on your face as a teacher, but the student's success as well. And SMILE stands for the methodologies that I would love all of the teachers in early years to use. The, the first S is explicit, systematic and synthetic phonics. We can't teach alphabetical order. There has to be a system from most common consonants and short vowels so that children can blend and segment words simply and easily early in their learning. So systematic and synthetic phonics, and that's the explicit teaching of that. Our M, this is a really important one, multi-sensory learning. Because these kids are four, five, and six-year-olds, this science behind how their brain works is about that multi-sensory. And a lot of teachers will say they're doing multi-sensory, but they're actually just doing tactile learning. There's seven sensory systems that we need to engage and if we can engage three or more at one time, we're going to have a better cognitive um, retention level. And so don't forget there's the taste and smell, positive experiences with taste and smell, cooking cupcakes when you're learning the cut sound, all those wonderful things create positive memories into our brains, into the children's brains to remember that sound. And so not that you have to cook and make wonderful things on every sound but it's about mixing them up so not just tactile but kinesthetic learning most people think oh that's that's hands-on learning it's actually using whole body so it's using the gross motor skills as well like playing hopscotch with sounds and 
My favourite one is Jack in the Box where you call out the focus sound or words with the focus sound. If it has the focus sound, they jump up like a Jack in the Box and if they don't hear the sound, they have to crouch down low. So it's just a little one but it's that auditory discrimination and then using your body to respond. So that's the M, the multisensory learning. The I is inclusion of oral language and we talked about that making sure you explicitly teach how to produce sentences the right grammatical form and syntax but also have lots of opportunities for turn and talk or think pair share don't just let those uh, loud little ones always put up their hand and answer for everyone we have to give every student a voice in that oral language time The L stands for the Literacy Big Five. Now, the Australian government put out or commissioned a research of how kids best learn to read, and they came up with the Big Five. This also happened in America, and you can find these in the Roe Report and the Rose Report, and that's phonemic awareness, phonics, vocab, comprehension, and fluency, and they are the Big Five. I like to add that extra on the Big Six of the oral language as well. That's the Literacy Big Five and our number five, the E, S-M-L-I-E, is explicit teaching. You know, some kids are going to just pick things up. That's that whole language experience that we see in classrooms. That's been a debunked theory for quite a while now. Kids need explicit teaching of those things. What do I have to do when I'm blending and segmenting? And the last one, which we touch base on, the last S is sound to print rather than print to sound. Now, what I'm going to do for you, Dan, hopefully you'll be able to put this up too in in maybe your show notes. I'm going to give you a little handout, a flyer with the smiles unpacked, just so as it's a little takeaway for your listeners as well. Thank you very much. I love that. I'm sure I'm going to download that and have a look at it. I'm sure that other people will too have a look at how you go about implementing the smiles in your classroom. And I know you've got, you've given us lots of things there. I love the Jack in the Box. I'm going to use that with my kids probably tomorrow. I'm going to get my, get my son jumping up and down every time he hears sounds. And I've got a three-year-old that will just join in and do it as well, which is great for her development with her oral language too. So I want to thank you so much for your time, Camilla. I know you're very busy and you've given up a fair chunk of your time to be with me today. So thank you very much. It was a joy to have you and I hope I get to have you again in the future. Thank you so much. And I'm going to give a little plug just so people can come and uh, explore our, our site at the Literacy Collective because, to be honest, even if we were to never make a sale, I really believe that my job and my journey is to help educators. So it's not really about sales. I, I have this passion for helping educators. So what we do on our website, we've had we have our own podcast page as well. It's great to be an affiliate, but I love to give out lots of freebies and spoil my subscribers because the kids win in the end. So even if you're never to buy anything from the Literacy Collective, we're a company supporting teachers right from the day dot. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. I'll do, there'll be links as well. If you, if you go to this podcast on my site, there'll be links to go to the Literacy Collective and to explore all the stuff that Camilla has for you. So thank you again. I hope you enjoyed the episode and come back and listen to our next one. Thank you. You've been listening to Effective Teaching with Dan Jackson. Please visit teacherspd.net for more effective teaching strategies and online professional development.